Back in 2004 and again in 2005, I had the distinct privilege of attending a week-long professional development workshop given by the renowned reading and writing expert, Regi Routman, at the picturesque Lakeview Design Center, Nashville, Tennessee. Those two years would mark a turning point in my teaching career, a journey filled with heartwarming moments and profound insights. Regi Routman is a teacher's teacher, and she instilled in us the invaluable connection between reading and writing. She emphasized that when you choose high-quality literature to share with your students, it becomes a treasure trove of inspiration for teaching the intricacies of writing. Her words resonated deeply with me, and I was eager to implement her wisdom in my own classroom. One of the many gems I took away from those transformative sessions was Regi's innovative approach to using poetry as a springboard for teaching writing skills. She showed us how the magic of verse could ignite a passion for expression in our students. And I was captivated by the way she made writing feel like an art, a way to convey the deepest of emotions and thoughts. And I have to say that without a doubt, I learned so much more about the reading and writing process during those visits. It wasn't just a highlight. It was a pivotal moment. It was a moment when I realized that teaching wasn't just a job. It was a calling, a mission to inspire young minds and to help them discover the beauty of words, both in their reading and writing journeys. In my heart, I carry the gratitude for the incredible opportunity to learn from such a remarkable educator. Regi Routman, through her teachings and her passion for reading and writing, has enriched my own teaching. The story of my time at Lakeview Design Center serves as a constant reminder that education has the power to transform, inspire, and, above all, connect us to the profound beauty of the written word. Welcome to Episode 162 of the Teacher Rockstar Podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. We share the latest educational research and best practices so that the new teacher can be better equipped for a successful classroom experience. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. In today's episode, we're going to be discussing Regi Routman's latest book, The Heart-Centered Teacher, Restoring Hope, Joy, and Possibility in Uncertain Times. But before we get into today's topic, I would like to ask you a question. Are you a brand new teacher that just graduated from college? Would you be interested in having somebody to mentor and guide you as you transition from college into the classroom? Well, if so, simply go to teacherclassroomresources.com forward slash TRA mentorship to learn more about the program. And now I would like to take a moment to share a little bit about today's special guest. Regi Routman has more than 50 years of experience teaching, coaching, and leading in diverse, underperforming schools and classrooms across the United States and Canada. Her many research-based books and resources have supported hundreds of thousands of educators to create and sustain intellectual, joyful, and equitable school cultures where all learners can thrive. For full information on Regi's books, articles, podcasts, and videos, go to regieroutman.org. That's Regi, R-E-G-I-E, Routman, R-O-U-T-M-A-N.org, which I might add would be an excellent resource for new teachers. Also check out Regi Routman at Regi Routman on Twitter as well. Welcome to the show, Regi. 
Thank you, Steve. And thank you for that very gracious introduction. I'm delighted to be here. Oh, outstanding. You know, it, it is really a pleasure to have you on the show. And, and I just have to say that I thoroughly enjoyed reading your book. There was so much really that resonated with me, you know, I mean, oh my gosh, it was just fantastic. Okay. Let's, uh, let's get started. And I want to dive into your latest book, The Heart Centered Teacher. Um, Reggie, can you speak to the, the central message of the heart-centered teacher, and how do you convey this message throughout the book? Oh, that's a great question, of course. Um, I've been teaching a long time, so I've learned a lot, made lots of mistakes, and I've had a lot of time to think about that question. And heart-centered means that the heart and mind go together, you know, Mm -hmm. It's so difficult as a new teacher. There's so much to learn. There's so many must-dos that you have. But really, the notion of the heart and the mind going together and thinking about nobody ever says mind and heart. It's always heart and mind. Mm -hmm. And it's a difficult time now. You know, we've been through a pandemic, which is perhaps not over. It's a stressful time for people um, all over the world. And so I wrote this book really to put perspective on what does it mean to be a teacher and what, what is possible even in the most difficult of times. And so I'd say actually the central message of the book is that in spite of the fact that we all suffer and some of it is invisible and our, this is true for the students that we have, we all mm -hmm. suffer through some kind of trauma at some point in our lives, but in spite of losses and adversity and as hard as teaching can be, it's also very joyful. And the message I think that I convey in the book, I, I hope that I convey in the book, is that not to separate our personal lives and our professional lives. So the book is really quite different from other professional books in that it's not just about how to teach literacy and be a great teacher. It's about the intersection, the important intersection of teaching learning and living and that we bring just as we teach the whole child we bring our whole selves into the classroom i think some of the other messages are that progress moves at the speed of trust i know as a new teacher you're thinking oh my gosh i have to do everything how can i, I and you can't do it all of course you can't and so the most important thing is how do you build the trusting relationships with your colleagues and especially with your students so that they are open to you as a as a uh, person and as a teacher and as a fellow human being. Um, and a lot of that happens through stories, the stories we read aloud. So I say as a new teacher, you know, get to know a good librarian if you don't have one in your school, public librarian, so that you can read aloud great picture books, no matter how old your students are, read aloud uh, great fiction and nonfiction. This is the way you really teach kids how to be active listeners, involve them in conversations that matter to them. And I would say also one of the messages is to slow down so you can hurry up. And by that, I mean, less is more. Um, you want to go deep. You don't want to be worrying about getting every standard and getting every requirement in because it's impossible. And all you can do is the best that you can do. So you want to figure out you know, what's really most important, realizing that you're not going to be able to, quote, cover everything. And if you take your time and get to know your students well, and you develop that trusting relationship and warm, loving culture in the classroom, you're going to be able to teach more 
and eventually at a faster pace. Uh, you can't teach students um, until they feel safe. And so I think one of the messages is how do you establish that culture in the classroom that makes it possible for kids to feel safe physically and emotionally because we have kids that are homeless, that have really tough lives and that school and the classroom needs to be a sanctuary for them. And how do we do that? Mm -hmm. uh, we do that through establishing trust, through sharing and telling stories, through sh sharing the power with kids that this is not, hey, this is not my classroom. This is our classroom. How do we want it to look? How do we want it to function? What are the rituals and routines that we want to set up? That's a very big deal is to share the power with yeah. kids. That's hard to do. Because, you know, one of the reasons I think I went into teacher, teaching, and this is true for probably many of my generation, is, you know, you're in control. <laughs> you're doing most of the talking. That's <laughs> great for kids, though. Yeah. Oh, I like the, the thing about slow down so you mm -hmm. can hurry up. I think that is really so true, you know, um, mm -hmm. which, which leads me to, you touched on it, but you might maybe elaborate, maybe, I don't, how do you define a heart-centered teacher? And why is this concept important in the field of education today? Okay. And I want to, I want to just say the subtitle of my book again, and then I'm going to read you the definition that I wrote in my mm -hmm. book in the prologue. The subtitle of the heart-centered teacher is restoring hope, joy, and possibility in uncertain times. And that's why the heart-centeredness is so important because these are uncertain times. And how do we remain hopeful and have kids remain hopeful? and see possibility really central to teaching and learning. Right. My book, and this is in the, the very first part where I start with a letter to readers living a heart-centered life. Heart-centeredness is a way into the good life and is a major theme of this book. It is that peaceful state where we live our core values with compassion, generosity, and authenticity, even in the midst of sadness and strife. In a heart-centered life, we take care of ourselves and others as we seek to establish and sustain loving kindness, trusting relationships, and daily gratitude. We have respectful conversations where we see and hear the other, not just with our minds, but with our hearts. In a heart-centered life, teaching, learning, and living are interwoven and seamlessly integrated, we become our truest selves. You know, in your book, Regie, you know, you emphasize the significance of building relationships. And I know you, you take that very, very seriously. Can you provide examples or strategies from the book that highlight that idea? Absolutely. In fact, you named one of them when you were talking about the impact that writing poetry had on your students when I was working in your, in oh, your yeah. district. Yeah, I love and, that. And um, that, if you are a new teacher, I would really recommend, um, and I never really sell my materials, but I wrote a series called Kids Poems. And it's a four, it's a grade kindergarten, grade one, grade two, and then three, four. It's a four book series from Scholastic. It's very inexpensive. It's only available as an ebook. But what I did, because I discovered that poetry had the power to really equalize opportunity for all students. And by that, I mean, kids didn't have to worry about spelling. They didn't have to worry about, at least not initially, they didn't have to worry about 
following the rules, because one of the beautiful things about poetry is that you can set it up on the page any way you want. You can have punctuation or not. You can have capital letters or not. And I have specific lesson plans in those books and exactly how to teach this. And what you see in the book is on one, one side of the page, like on the left, you have the, the poem exactly as the child wrote it. Mm-hmm. Kindergarten, they can do this. And, and then on the other side, you have the poem exactly as the child laid it out, but then the spelling is correct. That's been corrected. That's the only difference. That's the only change. And the student has added an illustration. So every child is successful. We put that into a classroom anthology. And it's a really good way to um, to focus on um, kids' strengths um, and, and, and a good way to begin storytelling. In my book, The Heart Center Teacher, in the very last chapter called Becoming a Significant Influencer, I talk about how um, a high school interventionist, um, she and I worked together, changed the life really of a student who had perhaps the most difficult life of, I've, I've ever heard. She had suffered horrible abuse. But it was through poetry writing that she was able to restory her life. It wasn't that the abuse hadn't happened, but by naming it, by talking about it, by um, kind of looking at who she really was as a person, it was an opportunity to to um, for her to see the possibilities of her life. Her 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 life wasn't determined by her zip code or by. Um, some of the terrible things that had happened to her. And it was very life-changing and it was through poetry. Um, So that's a very big deal. I would say also one of the um, best way to build relationships is to share who you are. In the book, I tell the story of um, a cat, Norman, that my husband and I inherited when we moved into the house. And we we really did not like cats at all. but it's a great story because the house was empty except for a huge bag of cat food. And the and we found out there was a cat that roamed the neighborhood, but um, everybody in the neighborhood said, well, yeah, but this cat belongs to you. And the cat was sleeping in a, uh, in a box outside our kitchen door. And, you know, we were fine with that until it got really cold. And then we worried about the cat. And my husband put a heating pad in this, outdoor little holder and then he put in a sweater that he wasn't wearing anymore and i'm sure you see where this is going yeah. but <laughs> the cat moved indoors and i had never petted a cat or touched a cat and you know we fell in love with this cat whose name was norman who was a girl go figure that one <laughs> and um and even to the extent that we have kind of like an off-white couch in our living room that norman you know, eventually had the run of the place and his favorite sitting area, as you might have figured out, was our off-white colored couch. And all of that was okay. You know, well, I have so many Norman stories, like when he disappeared. And you as new teachers also have stories in your life that your kids would love to hear. So I tell, tell stories. Now that's an easy story to tell. If I'm working with older students, I tell some hard stories too from my life. You know, we've all, if if you've lived, then you've had some hard times, but um, you want to let kids know who you are, you know, like with Thanksgiving that what just happened, it's all about um, celebrating who you are as a family. And that family might be 
um, friends. It might not be your, you know, given family, but people who love you and they, who you love. Um, but letting yourself be known is very huge and creating possibilities for what I call restoring. I would say as a new teacher, honoring students' names, their culture, their families, doing whatever you can to do that, celebrating families, celebrating cultures, celebrating multilingualism, multiple languages, and having high expectations for kids. My mantra is kind of, I expect you to do the best you can. And when you've done the best you can, I'll help you with the rest. And that's kind of what happened with the kids' poems is that they do the best they can. And then I help with the spelling if they're not able to do that. I don't, and then that also, that reading writing connection is very, very powerful. There's a part of the book in the beginning, what I call showing the love and the things that we do that help kids feel positive about themselves. One is holding high expectations, really believing that all kids can learn and um, not dumbing down the curriculum um, and honoring, again, honoring who they are. Make sure that you're pronouncing their names correctly. Um, what is the history of their names? Make, making sure that your classroom community is a beloved classroom community, that people care about each other. I talk about a teacher in the book who, a first grade teacher who is such a great teacher that she was always given the toughest kids emotionally. And they all thrived. And her rules, she set up rules in the classroom. But the first rule was be kind. Mm -hmm. The second rule was to follow the first rule. So you know where this is going. <laughs> and the yeah. third and the fourth and the fifth rule was to follow the first rule. And when she found people being kind, she commented on it. And so the kids figured out at six years old, oh, if I'm going to be kind to other people, my teacher is paying attention to that. I think a lot of building relationships is about, because you can't really teach anything if the kids don't trust you, you know, if right, they're weary, right. right? So I'm going to build this positive classroom community where we're noticing kids' strengths in, in feedback that we're giving kids, that we start with what the strengths are. When I was in um, New Zealand many, many years ago, and my first book, Transitions from Literature to Literacy, was published, I remember being very struck by the fact that I had bought a bag of potato chips and on the back of the bag, a small bag, you know, like you might find in a supermarket, it said, mm -hmm. please dispose of this carefully. I was so struck by that message because in the United States, it would, we might say, don't litter, but you'd never see, <laughs> you'd never see a message like that on fast food, please dispose of this thoughtfully. You know, and I walked around for a couple of days, like, where am I going to put this in a thoughtful place? It's a culture that we want to establish in the classroom of noticing children's strains, being kind, um, working together as a community. And I would say, I know it's very intimidating as a new teacher. You walk down the hall, it seems like everybody's, you know, they got their bulletin boards done. Everybody knows more than you do. I would say walk down the hall with blinders on. Don't look at the bulletin board so closely. Mm -hmm. um, you want to focus on your own strengths is really important. And I would say look for, if you have not been assigned a mentor in your building, look for a mentor, somebody in your building, or if there isn't anybody in your building, then in another building, doesn't have to be at the same grade level that you admire as a teacher not necessarily the most talented or most experienced teacher in the school, because that can be intimidating, but somebody who's maybe a few steps ahead of you and see if you might 
observe that teacher, see how she um, does management, see if she would come watch you teach if you, you know, if you develop a trusting relationship. Mm -hmm. This is a collaborative adventure that we're on. And I've become a better teacher through collaborating with others through professional reading and also acknowledging my own strengths and not beating myself up. We, we, you know, we mess up and that's just, that's just all about being human. And one other thing, when you give feedback, I think you want to make, be sure that it, you start by noticing the strengths. You don't start in with the needs. Like I, I can't read your paper the spelling's terrible, go back to your seat and fit that in. Instead, something like, you know what? I know you've got a great story here. It's really hard for me to read this right now because you didn't leave spaces between your words. If you would, and I'm going to just cut and paste and show you how, how to, to do this so that there's room to add here. And you you want to make sure that when the feedback you give a student is actionable and makes it possible for him or her or they to move forward. Because especially in writing, you know, if you're very critical of a student work, you can lose that student as a writer for the whole year. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to be really, really careful. I guess that's all I want to say there. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, uh, Regie, I have to tell you that one thing that really resonated me among many things, but as far as building relationships was actually seeing the student. You know what I mean? And, and oh, you had yeah. that in quotes in the book, actually seeing I'm, that. I'm so and glad I, you reminded me of that. Yeah. Let me talk a little bit about that because yeah. a lot of people have commented on that. And I don't know that I expected to resonate as much as it did. I start the book by talking about Ted, who was a 53-year-old man who had just lost his job. He worked at a marketplace. I knew him not well, but he called me up and he had just lost his job and he lived alone in an apartment with a pandemic, you know, during the pandemic with his cat. He didn't know how to read and write barely, you know, and he called and asked if I would, could I tutor him? I wound up tutoring him, of course, without charging him for a year and a half, twice a week. And the interesting part about that is that we had, we had no technology. (laughs) We had only our two phones and I, I'm not going to explain that now, but so everything that we did was just over the phone. You can read about that in the book, Mm -hmm. but it made me, and I wrote about quite a lot about this. The way I was able to reach him was through seeing him. And it's a long story. So I hope you'll get the book and read about it, or it's all, my book is also available as an audio book now. And I've had a number of teachers say that that really resonated. And by seeing, um, seeing our students, seeing our colleagues, seeing our loved ones, that means that, and I talk about the fact that you can love somebody and say, I love you and still, you know, be upset with all the the flaws that all of us have, but seeing somebody is different from loving somebody. You can love somebody, I believe, and not really see them. By seeing them, I mean, you see who they are, you value who they are, you want them to feel safe with you, you notice them, you accept their culture. And I talk about how when Ted became, when he felt fully seen, and it took a while in our relationship, it's like, I know who you are, I value you, you can trust me. Then the child, the adult person of any age is able to learn. We can't learn from somebody that we don't trust. So it's really, really important. I'm glad you brought that up. 
And, and then I talk about in the book, so I hope you'll read it, many ways of how do we get to see the people we work with, and not just the people we work with, but our families too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I talk about, make sure that for all of the students that you have, that we see their strengths. And if we don't see their strengths, then the the problem is on us. Everybody has has their strengths. It's up to us to see them, notice them, and build upon them. And then people are ready to talk about, yeah, well, maybe I didn't do, do so well on that. But you can't start with where what the needs are. And just, you know, there's a lot of talk about um, learning loss through the pandemic. And I've done almost all of my work in urban education, rural education, where the test scores are low, you know, the schools are quote, in failing. And there's always been a crisis in education. It's just more evident now, but we can't use that as an excuse that we start where the kids are. We view them as people, fascinating people with intellectual and social and emotional assets, not deficits. We give up the deficit, um, you know, the difference means deficit mm-hmm. um, and that we value the, the life and the culture and the family of every student that we're working with. Absolutely. Now, you know, Reggie, the book, it, it explores the idea of creating a positive classroom culture. Now, what specific approaches or practices do you suggest to foster a nurturing and inclusive classroom environment? I mean, I know you've, you've, you've alluded to obviously the the, the sum is there anything you'd like to add there yeah i think the main thing is and i did mention this to think of this as our classroom not my classroom so that you leave a bulletin board kids i know i've been in charge of these bulletin boards over here Mm -hmm. but let's what do we want here how do we want to showcase our writing how do we want to showcase who we are and so i would i talk about sharing the power really really important also providing choices in the room environment how do we want this to be set up And one of the things to think about as a new teacher is stay away from, if you can't, (laughs) the commercial charts that people stick up on the wall because the kids don't read that. You want to make your own charts and put them up with the kids' language and your language. The room environment is really important. Developing a classroom library with students, uh, using the environment to show what kids know. And really, really important is to give choice. So there can be many ways to show what you know, and it doesn't have to be a report that's just done on this word processed. Why couldn't it be a podcast like what we're doing here mm-hmm. to show what we know? Why couldn't it be a video or a graphic you know, text of some point uh, or a poem to show what we know? So giving a lot of choices and having kids feel, again, that, that my classroom, my school is a sanctuary, I'm valued here. So all of that's really, really important. Setting up the library with students. And I've written quite a lot about that in the book. And allowing time for student talk. The biggest mistake I think that most of us make, and I certainly include myself here, is that we do all the talking. So guess who's the lead learner in the classroom? It's the teacher. We have to become better listeners, which is really hard, and to teach kids to become active listeners so they can have authentic intellectual caring conversations. So that um, shifting the balance and who's doing the talking is a very big deal. All right. Reggie, what is the biggest takeaway that you would like to share with our new teacher audience? And I'm sure we have some seasoned teachers out there as well. But for that person just graduating 
college and, and going into their classroom for the very first time, what would you tell them? Go easy on yourself. <laughs> okay. You can't do it all. You're going to make mistakes. Your kids will love you and appreciate you for your honesty. Yeah, I really messed up here. You know, be unafraid to change gear if things aren't working. I remember, and I think this is a story worth telling. I remember being in a classroom uh, where I was uh, in the work that I was doing. I had about 30 observers and I was working with second and third grade students. And the lesson just was not, it was, wasn't going well. And I remember stopping in after about 10 minutes and saying, you know what, kids, this is not working. I didn't know why it wasn't working. I don't know why it's not working. It's not working. They were squirming all around and there wasn't an interest. And and the teachers, there were about 30 teachers and principals watching, were just astounded that I changed gear, changed, you know, changed my plan. In the evaluation at the end of the week, that was the thing that struck teachers the most. You changed your plan. Yes, of course, because you're teaching children, you're teaching students, you're teaching you're not just teaching reading and writing, you're teaching readers and writers, you're teaching wonderful, unique human beings. So, you know, go easy on yourself. You're going to mess up. We all mess up. Don't compare yourself to anybody else. And I would say, take time to do some professional reading, even though you think, well, I don't have the time. You cannot become a really competent teacher without knowing how to teach readers well, knowing how to teach writers well. You can start by reading my book. I hope you will. <laughs> okay, wonderful, wonderful advice. How can folks connect with you, Reggie? Yeah, go to my website, which is a, a lovely website. And I can say that because my son, Peter, put it together originally. And it's org, And you can contact me through there. And I have lots and lots of resources. In fact, with you new teachers in mind, I have an accompanying website to this book, to my book, which is free. There's video there, there's podcasts there. And I put it there for you because I wanted you to have more specifics for teaching reading and writing and all the curriculum well. So be sure to take a look at that. You don't have to buy the book to get to the to that website. You can find it right on my homepage where it says online resources that go with the book. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So I wish you, you know, lots of success and joy moments of joy. This oh. is a joyful profession. And, you know, you don't want to be suffering through all this. So go easy on yourself. Okay. And my best, my best to you. And thank you, Steve, for this opportunity. Oh, you're very welcome. I was going to say, I, I, again, Reggie, I want to thank you so much for your time, you know, for you taking time out of your busy schedule to share your expertise with us today. And you know, some, I would love to have you back on the show again at some point in the future. <laughs> you have yourself a wonderful day and we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thank you. You're very, very welcome. Okay. Well, my friend, we have come to the end of today's episode. Now I have some important news for you. First and foremost, if you enjoy our podcast and want to stay connected with us, there are now even more ways to do so. You can find us on several popular podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Chrome, iHeartRadio, and a host of other platforms. But that's not all. We know that many of you enjoy more than just the audio experience. For additional videos, behind-the-scenes content, and to connect with me and the rest of our community, make sure to follow us on YouTube. You could find us on YouTube by typing at Teacher Rockstar in the search bar. Hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun. 
I want to thank you for listening to the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. By way of reminder, make sure to visit regroutman.org for a ton of free teaching resources. Now, when you get a moment, visit my website and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, best practices, and our monthly resource freebie. Simply go to teacherclassroomresources.com to sign up. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. And if you'd like to support us, please feel free to share our podcast with others, post about it on social media, and leave a rating and review. That would be greatly appreciated as always. Thanks again. We'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend, you got this. The Teacher Rockstar Podcast with your host, Steve Hiles. We hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and join our growing community of teacher rockstars. Until then, thanks for listening.